is Daylight Magazine coming to you from Adventist World Radio Ghana, the voice of hope. Today's Daylight Magazine has segments designed with you in mind. Stay tuned and be blessed. With all kinds of breakthroughs, I'm very impressed. But as to the meaning and purpose we live, there's only one answer creation can give. He was taken with anger on a cross to die. Tell me something. Oh, Something I don't know. Oh, tell me something that. 
dearly listener, today's devotional is Go Preach the Good News. And we trace our reading from the book of Mark chapter 1, verse 1. William Carey, a cobbler who became a preacher, was so thirsty for knowledge that he kept a book open beside him while repairing his shoes. In the process, he became an expert in theology, Hebrew, and Greek. Finally, a church appointed him a lay pastor and then a regular pastor. While attending a conference of ministers, he stood and expressed his burden for a world dying without Christ. After urging the ministers to heed the instruction of Jesus to go into all the world and preach the gospel, he expressed his willingness to go himself. The old chairman said, Sit down, young man. You are a miserable enthusiast. When God wants to convert the heathen, he can't do it without your help. Carrie kept agitating. Finally, someone sent him to India and he became the father of modern missions. Despite financial difficulties, his wife's insanity and non-Christian prejudice, Carrie remained firm. After years of working, he finally won a convert, then others, and yet still others. He translated the Bible and founded a university. His life and ministry illustrate the power of the good news in a receptive heart. As Mark starts to write his gospel, he states, Here begins the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. He concludes his gospel with Jesus' final instruction to his disciples. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. Like carrier, those who saturate their lives with the good news about Jesus sense an urgency to go and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. Immersing ourselves in the good news acts as a stimulus to tell others about Jesus. The news is so good that we can't keep it to ourselves, but we must share Jesus. This message is about kind courtesy of Daniel R. Guild, and I was your presenter, Coffee Bar Netting. Welcome to your favorite youth program, Youth Corner. I am your host, Russell Mensa, and today we are continuing with our series on the balanced life, academic, social, and religious perspectives. There's an ongoing debate about how much attention to give to your academics and how much attention to give to your social and how much attention to give to your religious life. Those aspects of life as a student. But also, the bigger argument is how do you combine these three elements to make the best out of them? Are you to allot percentages such that you have one aspect being more important than the other? Or are you to look out for the reason for your being and then attach levels of importance to make you a complete person? To further this discussion with me today, I have... Mr. Sedu. Ben Justice Brevinti. Krumah Edmond. 
and I am your host, Russell Mensah. Yes, Gentlemen, you are welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. At our last meeting, there was a very lively debate about the percentages attached to the various elements or the various perspectives that you are looking at on one hand, and Mr. Ansedu's argument about attaching reason, looking at yourself, assessing yourself, and attaching that level of importance to the academic, social, and religious aspects of your life to make you a complete being. We want to further that discussion today, try to arrive at a conclusion, and also seek to round up on this general issue that we are looking at today. So, Mr. Ansedu, could you put forth your argument once again? Yes, listeners will recall that the last time we met, we were looking at the issue of a balancing act. Now, the word balance in itself, as we know, has to do with trying to, as it were, make two sides equal at the point of this so that one does not weigh the other. It means that it is more on the part of the student to do the balancing rather than somebody actually prescribing by balance for the person. My brother is actually quite familiar with that science instrument called the beam balance, okay? So you have one weight on the one side and then you have another weight. Now, to balance the two, you need to put equal weight there. Now, depending on what weight is on the other side, you put an equal weight on the other side for the balance. Now, the balancing act, as I say, should come from the student who are doing the balancing. If you also recall, I made a point that indeed you will have a student who are tilted to one side or the other. For example, we have a student who is so much, you know, I came to school to study and nothing else. And so the student study, 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 and that is it. Leave me alone social life, leave me alone religious life. And I said, no, that will not help you. Uh, as a student, you need to bring in the social because they are also very, very important. That's not to downplay anything. I even go into and then you're thrown into some kind of debate. And what I was saying is this. I'm not saying that, okay, some aspects are not important than the others. But the point is, let's leave that to the student to do those decisions. Okay. When we talk, it may just interest you to okay. know that it is not every student who found himself in university that could just resume as an average leveled person okay so there are some who need directions okay that is why i decided to do to chip in percentages okay. Okay. so that okay. if you could concentrate more on one which is the most important yeah. at least in okay. the previous sessions okay. he agreed with okay. me the yeah. religious aspect is of more importance yeah. so if we could attach maybe some percentage to it that mm. you could just calculate it in a way that you you have a balance in the 535, 65 percent. <laughs> no, 60, 35, 5. 60, 35, 5 okay. percent. Mm. You realize that will help you mm. to do more in terms of the religion, mm. and that will boost up your academic performance. Yeah. yeah. Is it always the case mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. a highly religious student, mm-hmm. and not a hypocrite mm-hmm. in that, mm-hmm. a highly religious student always excels in his academy. He is, said is that last, the case? at the last session that he realized mm, from mm, his stay on campus mm, that most of the students who made it with first class, mm, second class, mm, upper, are people mm, who are highly religious. Mm, but the other way around will not be yeah. entirely yes, true. If what you are saying could be right. Mm, but then if we could take the number of students, on average, mm, most of them are people who are very religious. They consider religion at the uppermost or utmost part of their life. That is how can they are making it. No, so let me bring it be coming in here. I mean, we are trying to make a case here. My brother is trying to go for prescriptions. Now, one thing about prescriptions is that it's very dangerous. Now, if you're going for the wrong prescriptions, it's more like you didn't go for a prescription at all. Now, he is talking about importance, okay? The 60, 35, 5, you know, formation he's trying to play. Why not even 90, 10 or 95, 5? Are you guys in the picture? It could be because he's just coming to come up with a formula. But it could even mean that even the religion is talking about can actually go to 90 for me, for example. It can be maybe 90. 
five. Are you getting the picture? So don't prescribe. Okay. Now you can tell the student. Now let me tell you, if a student at this level cannot make informed decision for him or herself. Yes. There is no point prescribing for the student because the student will not even get uh, in the first place. We have let me, let me, allow him to learn. Yes. And then I also recall that I made a point. I have to attest to the point before Mr. Nkrumah comes in. I made a point that indeed had to do with the fact that even though I agreed with him in terms of most students who actually are doing well tend to be religious. But you asked a very important question, Russell. The question was, is it always the case? The crux of the question is, is it always the case? Yes, it is the case that most students you see doing well are religious. But is it always the case? No, it's not always the case. It's not always the case. Because some of those who are very religious don't balance that, that aspect. Now, for those students who are religious but balance the other aspect like academics and social, they will do well. There are students, however, who are very religious but do not balance the other two aspects. If it happens like that, it doesn't matter how many times you pray. It doesn't matter how many times you fast. It doesn't matter how many times or the opposition in your church or religious denomination, you will fail. So it's not always the case. And we need to be very clear on some of these issues. What I'm saying is, at this level, let me tell you, religion cannot be forced on people. People should be able to choose who they want to serve and who they want to believe in and what they want to believe in and how far they want to go. Whether, if not, it will be hypocrisy. I was born into a Christian home. Until I grew up, my father would say, let's go to church. Okay? I've been going to church. Now, what happens? I come to university. There's no parental control here. So what happens? I will stay out of church. When I go home, I go to church for my father. What is the point? Who am I deceiving? I'm deceiving myself. Let people come to the point in time when they know what they need most. Don't realize if you don't have a need. I remember my brother himself said that religion fulfills a need. If you don't feel the need for something, that means nothing to you. If you feel the need for something, it impacts the way you actually deal with the issues. And so, as he said it, let the person who has a need determine what he needs. For example, I might be too religious already. I might need to balance my academic and my social life. I might be too academically biased that I have to balance my religion, whatever. Reason does not take away the fact that we need to look at the scale of preference. And maybe that's where Bibinti got me wrong. The fact that I have to leave the student to his own reason is very important. Maybe he thought, you know, it means that not leave the student to do whatever he like. But the point is, we need to also look at the scale of preference. Religion will drive at everything that we do. We know that. But I won't go for prescriptions. Let the student do that. We've had a very, very, very passionate argument today about balancing the three elements of the balanced life we are talking about, the academic, social, and religious aspects. As to whether to prescribe a given pattern for a particular person to be that ultimate student or to leave the person to reason for his or herself. Listener, we are going to continue this conversation at our next sitting with the same panelists. And today, we want to thank them so much for their presence and thank you as well for listening. I've had this discussion with Mr. Ansedu, Rebinti Ben Justice and Edmond Nkrumah. I have been your host, Russell Mensah. Thank you for listening. Thank you. This is a special announcement. Starting from the 26th of March 2017 to the 28th of October 2017, our new frequency for our summer broadcast would be 
1180 kHz. Thank you. For any inquiries or contribution, you can contact us on plus 233-20870-4532 or plus 233-244-235017 or email us at radio at vvu.edu.gh or through the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana, P.O. Box AF595 Adenta Greater Accra Region, Ghana. We will expect your feedback. Is the moment of truth. Watching for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Moments of Truth. My name is Agana and Siri Agana. Um, today we are listening to a short message entitled Touching God. Touching God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. We thank you, Father, for drawing so near to us. We pray, O oh God, that you will give us the boldness to approach you to find relief from all of our burdens, and to know you more. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we go into the book of Mark. We're looking at chapter 5. At a very, very familiar story, um, you will recall that in Mark 5, a woman who suffered from an issue of blood approached Jesus Christ and did something rather strange. She went and she pressed through a crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. Now why did she do that? Why was she so convinced that this was going to be the answer to her her long-held pain? Well, I think it has something to do with the fact that faith sometimes shines its brightest when things are at their darkest. 
And what do I mean? Let's begin in verse 25 and see the kind of life, the kind of promptings that have moved this woman to press through the crowd and touch Jesus' him. A certain woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things by many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. Having heard the things concerning Jesus came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. For she said, If I just touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Interesting story. Interesting story. There are a few times in scripture when healing does come about as a result of a touch. You know, Jesus touched Tabitha. He touched the eyes of the blind man whom he healed. Many, many, many times in scripture, the healer touches the sufferer. But in this instance alone, we find that the woman comes and does the touching. She has been to many physicians already. She has suffered many things at their hands. She has indeed been made worse. And she has paid for it. There is probably nobody left in all of Israel whom she can go to, whom she has not already gone to see. All avenues for help have been exhausted. When she goes to this crowd, this is really the last chance. I mean, she would have heard all the things that Jesus was doing. If Jesus could not help her, well, that would have to be it. And so she goes in faith. She goes in hope and expectation. She tells herself, look, this man is so great. He's working such powerful miracles. There must be something in and about him. I probably only need to touch his garments. And whatever is in him must affect me. This was just simple faith. This woman was not theologizing about the indwelling of any power in Jesus Christ. She had no idea that the kind of power transfer that, that the Holy Spirit works out. She's not philosophizing here. She's just praying and hoping that something in Jesus will come into her. Now, you and I pray many prayers, but you will agree with me that one of the prayers we pray most often is for God to touch us. Oh Lord, please touch us in this time of, of illness. Touch us and revive our financial situation. Touch us, O oh God, so that we will be quickened in the Spirit. Touch us. It's a common prayer. It's a good prayer. But at the same time, consider if you were really at your wit's end about a problem. If you were really at the very edge of hope, would you really be waiting for Jesus to walk by and touch you? Would you really be waiting? Or would you have a more desperate appeal in your heart? Would you have a more active effort you see, for the Christian, waiting is not a passive thing. It's not just sitting around and passing the time until God comes and works a miracle in your life. No, for the Christian, waiting goes with watching. Waiting goes with action. 
Waiting goes with living out the truth that we know until more light comes. Waiting goes with bearing with patience the trials of today until the release of tomorrow is given to us. And for this woman, waiting went with pressing through a thick manly crowd. This woman did not sit idly by and, and hope that the Messiah would pass by her town, find her, ask, Oh, where is that woman I have heard about with a bleeding issue? Come into her house and touch her. No. She went out and she went and touched God. For a lot of us, we must realize that God is waiting and eager to help. For a lot of us, his arms are already outstretched and he's just waiting for our embrace. For many of us, his arm is stretched out, waiting to clasp us, to lead us in the right path. But the Lord is finding many of us are reticent. We are waiting the wrong way. We are idling. We must up, press through the crowd. We must touch God. It will be easier for many of us than it was for that woman. Amen. Jesus, we thank you so much for everything. We thank you that you are near us, waiting and willing for us to touch you. We thank you that, Father, if we but stretch out our hands, you will come the rest of the way and you will hold us in your mighty hand. That, Father, if we but call on you, you will heal us. You will set us aright. You will put in us a new heart. We thank you, Father. We pray for the courage to reach out and touch you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you very much for staying with us once again. You can reach us on plus two three three two zero eight seven zero four five three two or plus two three three zero three zero seven zero five one zero five eight or email us at radio at vvu dot edu dot gh or through the postal address. Adventist World Radio Ghana, P.O. Box AF595, Adenta Greater Accra Region, Ghana. We will expect your feedback. This is a special announcement. Starting from the 26th of March 2017 to the 28th of October 2017, our new frequency for our summer broadcast would be 11880 kHz. Thank you. I believe today's magazine has been a blessing. May the good Lord's hands be in your life. Amen. Remember to tune in same time tomorrow. Bye for now. <laughs>